Amen. All right, well, we're there in Job chapter number 31, and uh, tonight we come to a crossroads in the book of Job, or uh, uh, we're ending a section, a long section, probably the longest section of the book of Job. And of course, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights, you know that the book of Job is primarily a conversation between Job and his three friends, Zophar the Naamathite, Eliphaz the uh, Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite. And this conversation goes back and forth and back and forth. It has three different rounds. And what we are seeing tonight in Job 31 is the last uh, chapter in this conversation. Job, for the last several weeks, has been giving his conclusion. And he does that, if you notice, the chapter ends with uh, it saying that the words of Job are ended. And that doesn't mean that Job doesn't speak again in the book because he does speak towards the end. But this is where he finishes giving his uh, arguments, his defense of his innocence, and uh, all of those things. If you remember from the last couple of weeks, we had a chapter where Job was reminiscing and talking about how great things used to be before these things happened to him. And in the last chapter, he was lamenting about how terrible things are. In this chapter, what Job does is he defends and affirms his innocence. And what he does is he gives a list of sins. Uh, Some of these are sins that he's been accused of, and he affirms that he did not do so. And he also proclaims what should happen to him if he had done that. So he goes through this chapter, and there's a lot to cover. There's 40 verses. We'll do our best to cover all of it tonight. But he says, you know, if I did this, then this should happen to me. If I did this, then this should happen to me. If I did this, then this should happen to me. He brings up these sins. He affirms and in some ways gives a curse of what should happen to uh, an individual that does those sins. But then he affirms that he is uh, that he is pure from that, that he is innocent, that uh, whatever is happening to him, it's not happening to him as a result of sin in his life. So we'll get jump right into it. Like I said, it's 40 uh, verses and there's a lot to cover. And I want you to notice there's several things that Job brings up. And uh, we could break them up into even smaller sections, but there's uh, kind of seven major headings that Job brings up where he talks about sins that he did not commit or things that he did not do. The first thing, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to maybe write these down. I'll, I'll give you um, the verse layout or breakdown if you're uh, taking notes tonight. But in verses 1 through 12, we see that Job retained his purity. The first thing that Job brings up is the fact that he retained his moral purity in regards to relationships with women uh, and, of course, relationships with women outside of his marriage. In Job 31 and verse 1, we find a verse that every man should memorize. And uh, every, every boy, uh, uh, and when I say boy, I mean an older, older boys, 11, 12 years old, uh, every teenager, every young man, every not so young man, every old man, every man needs to have this verse committed to memory. Job 31 verse 1 says this, I made a covenant with mine eyes, why then should I think upon a maid. Here Job uh, is affirming the fact that he has retained his purity, and he tells his friends that he made a covenant. The word covenant means an agreement. He uh, entered into a contract with his eyes. He made an agreement with his eyes that he would not lust after a, a, a woman. He says here, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon 
a maid. Notice if you go down to verse number seven, and we're going to walk through the entire chapter, but I want you to notice verse seven real quickly. He says, if my steps had turned out of the way and mine, notice these words, heart walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to mine hands. He brings up this idea about making a covenant with his eyes. And this should not be a secret, but men are tempted to lust visually. Uh, men in general, obviously men and women can lust visually, but it is something that men are wired for to uh, lust uh, through their eyes. Keep your place here in Job 31. This is our text for tonight. Go with me to the book of Matthew, if you would. First book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. In general, men are tempted to lust through their eyes. Women are tempted to lust more through their emotions, more through what they are told or uh, what they hear. This is why men primarily struggle with things like pornography. Women are the ones that struggle with uh, things like romance novels and things of that nature. And here Job says, look, I made a covenant with mine eyes that I should not think. He says, why then should I think upon a maid? And the Bible teaches this concept throughout the Bible that uh, men need to guard their eyes. They need to protect their eyes. They need to make a covenant with their eyes. Matthew 5, look at verse 28. Notice what Jesus said. Matthew 5, 28 He said, but I say unto you that whosoever, notice, looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Here we speak about adultery in your heart. And Jesus talked about the fact that when a man looks on a woman to lust after her, you might say, well, I've I've never committed adultery, you know, physical adultery uh, with with another uh, 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 woman. But if you are lusting after a woman, the Bible says, with your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the Bible says that out of the heart proceedeth all uh, sorts of sins. And you say, where does all physical adultery begin? It begins in the heart. And uh, it begins with the eyes. And for this reason, Job says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Go, go to the book of Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter number six. You're there in Job. You go past the book of Psalms into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number six. And look at verse number 24. Do me a favor. When you get to Proverbs, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. So I want you to be able to get to Proverbs. We're going to be going to Proverbs a lot throughout the sermon. This is not the only place we're going to go to, but we're going to go to it a lot. So I want you to get to it quickly. Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 24. The Bible says this, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. I want you to notice in verse 25. Now in verse 24, we talk about an evil woman, a whorish woman uh, is the the words that are used later on. We're going to look at those. Uh, uh, That is dealing with, with evil, strange women. But I want you to notice, before you start putting all the blame on the women, verse 25, and where there's enough blame to go on those types of women. I'm not, I'm not excusing that. But verse 25 is a command to men. It says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Now, here's the truth. We live in a culture, in a society, where there is temptation all around us 
to lust with our eyes, to sin with our eyes, and men need to not be passive about this protection. See, Job was a man who wasn't passive about this. He didn't just say, well, you know, I'm just kind of going to go through life and, and uh, uh, see what happens, and, and hopefully I'll end up being pure at the end. Hopefully I'll end up being loyal to my wife at the end. Hopefully I won't commit adultery in my heart or, or, or physically at the end. Job said, no, 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 I'm not going to leave it up to chance. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. I've made a choice. I've made a decision. There are some things that I'm just not going to look at. Psalm 101. If you would, Psalm 101, look at verse 3. If you're there in Proverbs, go backwards to Psalm 101 and verse 3. Here's another verse that men should have memorized. Psalm 101 and verse 3 says this. Psalm 101 and verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. This is a major problem today. Temptation is everywhere. And by the way, not only is temptation everywhere, but access to this type of sin is incredibly easy. And for this reason, you know, men need to be like Job. You say, Job was such a great man of God. Well, one of the reasons that Job was so great is because he didn't leave it up to his, uh, his own will to be able to overcome these sins. He said, no, 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 I took care of this a long time ago. I made a covenant with mine eyes. I've made some choices. I've made some decisions. I put some protection there that I will not lust after a woman. And look, every man here needs to realize that your eyes are going to provide a place of temptation that God doesn't want you to go down. And this is, you preach these types of things and, and men will roll their eyes at you and, and say, oh, well, not me. Well, you know, I don't, you know, I can look at that billboard or I can look at that magazine or I can go on that website. It's not going to affect me. Well, what are you, a queer? If, if, you're, if you're a normal man, your eyes are going to be uh, tempted to, to, to lust after uh, uh, women that you're not married to, and you've got to make a choice. You say, well, what does that mean? That, that means a lot of things, and I'm not going to go into all those details, but let me tell you something. It means there are certain aisles in the grocery store you don't walk down, men. It, it means there, there are uh, certain uh, uh, billboards you don't look at. The Bible talks about keeping your, your eyes straight. The Bible talks about not turning to the right hand or the left hand. Look, I, I'm just here to tell you, uh, I, I believe all young people, but especially young men, listen to me, mom, listen to me, dad, should not have free, unsupervised access to the internet. You say, why? Well, because we want to raise jobs, that's why. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon uh, made? Young people, uh, I think all young people. And, and you, you say, oh, well, uh, make sure my sons don't have free access to the Internet, but my daughters can. Your daughters can get in a lot of trouble on the Internet, too. You, you should just be careful about handing your uh, teenager a device that gives them access to every filth and predator out there. Young people need to be careful with this, and, and, and it should be parents who are the ones who are, are, are careful about this. And parents, sometimes, they shy away from this. They say, well, well, if I put some sort of accountability software on their phone, or if I, you know, grab their phone and randomly uh, check it from time to time, or if I, you know, don't allow them to have a phone, or if I do these things, that, then I'm not going to be the most popular uh, parent. Let me tell you something. You're not trying to win a popularity contest when it comes to parenting. Your job is to protect your kids. 
Your job is to, to, to help them maintain purity until they get to the place where they're mature enough, like Job, to say, hey, this is something I want to do for myself. I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Young people, especially young men, should not be going to rivers or beaches or lakes or water parks or public pools where there's going to be uh, naked young ladies. I don't understand why as a Baptist preacher I even have to say this anymore, but it seems like I do, so I'll say it as long as I need to say it. You say, my teenage, my 17-year-old son doesn't struggle with that, then you've got other problems. You're raising a reprobate. If you're 12-year-old or 13-year-old or 14-year-old or 27-year-old uh, or 37 or 47 or 77 doesn't struggle with that, then there's something wrong. They all struggle with it. That's why they shouldn't be going there. You say, you don't think you should go to rivers? I didn't say there's anything wrong with a river. Nothing in the world wrong with a river. What's wrong is naked people at the river. Nothing wrong with a pool as long as there aren't naked people at the pool. Nothing wrong with a beach. God created a beach. But why don't you make your way to some private reach beach, get up early and do whatever you got to do. But I'm here to tell you that we as men must make a decision to say, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So Job begins by uh, attaining the fact that he has maintained his purity. He says, I have not had adultery in my heart. He said, I made a covenant. I've made a choice. There's certain things I don't look at. There's certain places I don't go. There's certain uh, uh, choices that I've made. Uh, I've made myself accountable. I've made myself, uh, 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 I've protected myself to not go down that road. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Go back to Job 31. Look at verse 2. Now, let me say this. Men need to guard themselves from these things. They need to purpose in their hearts like Job. They need to do what they have to do and allow who they have to allow to guard them in these areas. But uh, just know this, and Job says this, at the end of the day, no one else may know, but God knows. He says there in verse 2, for what portion of God is there from above? And what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Here's what Job is saying. Job is saying, at the end of the day, I'm not getting my blessings from you three. He's talking about his three friends. He said, I'm not getting my blessings from you three stooges. I want my blessings from God. He said, what portion of God is there from above? What inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Notice verse 4. He says, doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Let me tell you young men something. You might hide it from your mom. You might hide it from your dad. You might hide it from your pastor. You might hide it from those that you're accountable to. But at the end of the day, you're not hiding anything from God. Proverbs 15 and verse 3. Proverbs 15 and verse 3 says this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. We want to protect our children. My wife and I are going to do everything in our power to protect our children. We're not trying to win a popularity contest with them. We want them to like us, but we want to protect them more than we want them to like us. But at the end of the day, my children and your children have to come to the place where they fear God more than they fear us. Where they actually fear God. We try to teach our kids and tell our kids, and I want to uh, teach it to you. We must all, someone said this, it's, it's a good quote, I like it, obedience to the unenforceable. There comes a point where people can't force you to do anything. 
We develop accountability structures and accountability partners, and I'm all for it. I'm not against that. But here's the thing about an accountability partner. I'm not going to be with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There comes a point in your life where you're just going to have to obey because you love God and you fear God. There comes a point in your life when, when what you're being asked to do cannot actually be enforced by any human being, but yet we must decide that we will give our obedience to that which is unenforceable. At the end of the day, no one else may know, Job says, but God knows. He says, does not he see my ways and count all my steps? Then he says this in verse 5. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Go back to Job 31 and verse 5. This is the idea of if then, if then. In verse 5, he says, If I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know, notice, mine iniquity. Look, at the end of the day, God knows. Listen, young people, God knows. I get up here and preach things. and Does pastor know? Why are you worried about what does pastor know? God knows. It's interesting how you're so worried about what pastor knows. Well, who told pastor? You ought to be worried about what God knows. The eyes of the Lord. It doesn't say the eyes of your pastor are in every place beholding the evil and the good. It doesn't say the eyes of your parents are in every place beholding the evil and the good. It doesn't say the eyes of your wife are in every place beholding the evil and the good. It says the eyes of the Lord. Do you fear the Lord? See, Job says, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. And look, verse 6 is a good place to be in life where you can say, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what slander you spread and what lies you spread. I am A-OK with being weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. If my steps have turned out of the way and my heart walked after mine eyes and if any blot has cleaved to mine hands, he says in verse 8, then let me sow and let another eat. Yea, let, me, let my offspring be rooted out. So Job begins with this idea of adultery in the heart and then he moves on to the idea of actual physical adultery. Look at verse 9. He says, if mine heart hath been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door. So this is no longer just looking and lusting after a woman, but now it's uh, physical. It's an action where he's going and he's laying wait at his neighbor's door. The idea is that he's sitting there in a, a corner, dark corner somewhere, watching for his uh, neighbor, for the husband of, his, uh, of a neighboring couple to leave so that he could come in and uh, commit adultery. Notice in verse 12, and we'll come back to the verses there. We skipped here in a minute, but I just want you to notice, uh, he says, for it is a fire that consumeth to destruction. And what Job is talking about is physical adultery. I'm going to prove that to you in a minute. You say, I don't know the whole lurking um, at, at, his, uh, at his neighbor's door. I don't think that's referring to adultery. Well, I, I'll tell you this. It's not referring to anything good. What are you, some TV, uh, you know, peeping Tom? If I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, if mine heart 
hath been deceived by a woman. But the fact that he says in verse 12, for it is a fire that consumeth to destruction and would root out all mine increase. This is the wording that God uses when he talks about adultery. And let me talk to you uh, uh, um, married men for a minute and, and understand this, that you should not be obviously lusting with your eyes and looking at pornography and those types of things. But uh, uh, alongside with that, let me just say this, physical Adultery will destroy your life. You say, well, how is that? Well, the, that's what the Bible says. It says, it is a fire that consumeth to destruction. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Let me, I want you to compare these passages. Proverbs chapter 6. Remember, we saw the previous verses where it talked about lust not after her beauty with your eyes. Uh, lust not in your heart. In Proverbs 6 and verse 26 Notice what the Bible says. It says, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. The Bible says that entering into a relationship with a whore, when you are a married man. Look, I, this is the book of Proverbs. This was written thousands of years ago. This is, uh, uh, Job wrote this. Uh, 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 Solomon wrote this. Job said, For it is a fire that consumeth the destruction and would root out all mine increase. Job said, if I allowed adultery into my life, he said, everything I've worked for would be destroyed. He said, in fact, look, adultery will ruin your relationships, but Job highlights the fact that it'll actually take all your riches. It'll root out all mine increase, is what he said. And you might say, well, Job, you're kind of just too interested in finances. But it's interesting because this is what Solomon brings up as well. He says, for by means of a whorish woman, is a, uh, is a, uh, a man is brought to a piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. By the way, did you know that there are women out there whose whole intent is to destroy marriages and families? You're not that cute. You're not that interesting. You're, you're, you're not that handsome. There's just some reprobate women out there who uh, will uh, lay with any idiot that will allow them to because they, was what they want is to destroy marriages. Some of you need to wake up and realize, I, you know, the way this, this lady is treating me, I, I'm, not, I'm not that impressive. This is not appropriate. It says that the adulteress will hunt for precious life. And of course, I'm not taking the responsibility away uh, 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 from, from men, but I'm just trying to tell men that there are women out there who are just trying to destroy and ruin people's lives. What, what, what is exciting to them is not you, it is the prospect of ruining your life. Verse 27, he says, Can a man, notice, here's the connection to Job, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Now look, the question to the, the answer is obvious. Can a man take fire and put it on his bosom and his clothes not be burned? And the answer is no, of course not. Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Can you walk barefoot on hot coals and your feet not be burned? And the answer is no, of course not. Then he says this in verse 28. So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife. He says, you're not going to commit adultery and think you're not going to get burnt, you're not going to destroy every relationship and have it ruin your life. Verse 30 says, men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. 
But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. I want you to understand verses 30 and 31. He, he, he makes this contrast and he says, there are some things you can do that are wrong, like, like, uh, like stealing, that you might be able to at least make an argument. That doesn't make him right, because if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. He says, you might steal uh, 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 something, uh, uh, food, to satisfy your soul when it is hungry. And he says, man do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. Here's what he's saying. You might steal something, and, and, and it's not right, but at least there's a, a reason or an excuse as to why you did it. There's never a reason for adultery, period. Verse 32, he says, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth, don't miss it, his own soul. He talks about the fact that adultery will ruin your life. And Job again continues with this if then, if then. Uh, uh, the sins and the curses that go along with it. Keep your place there in in Proverbs. Go, Go back to Job 31. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, I've not committed adultery. He said, I've not lusted after a woman and committed adultery in my heart. And he says, I've not lurked at my neighbor's door and committed physical adultery. He says, I've not done those things. He says in verse 10, but if I have, he says, then let my wife grind unto another and let others bow down upon her. For this is a heinous crime. Yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction and would root out all mine increase. And the idea here when he says that let my wife grind unto another and let others bow down upon her, the idea is that if he has done this, then let others take his wife and put her into slavery, put her into a a bond service where she would become a a, a bondage, a, a wife of bondage. You say, uh, when he says here, grind into another, the idea is that she would work for somebody else and that others would bow down upon her is this idea of, of the fact that they would have a relationship with her. You say, I don't know, prove that. Go to Isaiah 47. See, Job isn't saying, the problem is, you know, then let my wife just become a slave. He's saying, let my wife become a slave wife or what the Bible would call a concubine. And, and look, the, the, you know the Bible teaches that we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us? And Job is saying, I've not, not, I, not been with somebody else's wife, but if I've been with somebody else's wife, then, you know, then, then let this curse come upon me that others would take my wife. And, and look, this idea is this. Don't do things that you don't want. Would you want somebody to do this to you? Isaiah 47, verse 1, notice what he says. He says, come down and sit in the dust. Isaiah 47, you have Job, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah 47, verse 1, we're going to compare it to Job 31, verse 10. Come down and sit in the dust. Oh, notice the emphasis, virgin, daughter of Babylon. Here we're talking about a virgin that's going to be uh, uh, judged. Sit on the ground there in no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For thou shalt, notice, no more be called tender and delicate. He says, I'm going to take a virgin and I'm going to uh, 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 judge her. And what's going to happen to her is that she's going to be no more called tender and delicate. He says, take the millstone and, notice the word, grind meal. That's what Job said, let my wife grind unto another. Now notice the context. 
with the fact that she's grinding meal because she's a concubine, because she's a slave wife, he says, uncover thy lock, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and will not meet thee as a man. So this idea when Job says, let my wife grind unto another and let others bow down upon her, he says, if I've not been faithful to my wife, then let them take my wife and make her a concubine, a slave wife. And he's, and he's obviously he's not hoping that would happen, but he, he's saying that, he said, adultery is a heinous crime. He said, it is uh, worthy, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. Go back to Job 31. The first thing Job talks about is this idea that he retained his purity. We saw that in verses 1 through 12. I'm spending uh, a lot of time here, but I, I want to focus on this because some of these other things that Job brings up are things we've already dealt with in other sermons, and I think it's important for us to deal with this. I want you to notice that Job made this covenant. He made this, this uh, contract. He went into this agreement. He said, I'm not going to do this. Notice verse 1 again. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a pain? And by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. I think everyone in this room should make a purity pledge. Uh, I think every young person should make a purity pledge, uh, a, a, a covenant, a commitment to maintain their purity. But, you know, married people need to make the same covenant. Now, it should have been enough that they made a covenant to their, to their spouse to have and to hold uh, and, and to only have and hold that one. But I want you to notice that here we see this idea that Job made a pledge. He made an agreement. He, and I want you to notice the things that are highlighted in these verses. In verse 1 he says, I made, young people need to listen up. Listen up. Make, pay attention to this. I made a covenant with mine, notice the words, eyes. He talks about the eyes. Then he says this, why then should I think, he references the mind upon a maid. In verse 7 he says, if my steps have turned out of the way and mine heart. Notice he mentions his eyes, he mentions his mind, he mentions his heart. If, and mine heart walked after mine, notice it again, eyes. And if any blot hath cleaved unto mine, notice the words, hands. When we talk about a purity pledge, when we talk about making a covenant of purity with, with God, the idea is that you make a covenant, yes, with your, eye, with your hands, with your eyes, with your mind, and with your heart. Notice again verse 7, If my steps have turned out of the way, and my heart walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved unto mine hands, look at verse 9, If mine heart, Notice the emphasis. If mine heart hath been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid way at my neighbor's door, laid way at my neighbor's door, is that the idea is that it's, it's physical. It's, it's preceded physically. You say, how does, how does a, a covenant of purity look like? What does a purity uh, pledge look like? Every uh, young man, every young lady ought to make a purity pledge if you're single, and every uh, uh, married people, all people should make a, a purity pledge. You say, what, where does it start? It starts in your heart. The, the Bible says to guard your heart. The Bible says keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You say, where does purity begin? It begins in your heart. Look, if you don't make a decision in your heart, if you don't make a commitment in your heart, if you don't like Job, decide, I'm making a covenant with mine eyes. 
You say, where does that come from? It starts in your heart. goes to your mind. Look, you've got to make, you, you, you've got to decide in your heart, I love God more than I love whatever. And then you, you say, and then where does my mind come in? Well, here's where your mind comes in. There's certain things you shouldn't be thinking about. There's, there's certain ideas you need to remove out of your mind. But by the time it comes to your eyes, it's already gone from your heart to your mind to your eyes. And then it goes from your heart, your mind, your eyes to your hands. Look, you've got to decide that you're going to be pure, and that doesn't mean that you're just not going to uh, fornicate. It means that you're not going to look at things you shouldn't look at. It means you're not going to think about things you shouldn't think about. It means you're going to keep your heart pure. Now, it starts from the heart, mind, eyes, goes down to the hands. And by the way, people want to uh, 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 mock me or, or think that I'm too strict or too, too, too much because I preach things like the Bible. When it says in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Amen. Say, Pastor, are you uh, okay with uh, dating couples holding hands? Uh, I, the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Are you okay with us hugging? The Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Well, what could possibly be wrong with holding hands? Here's what's wrong with holding hands. You don't stay at holding hands. You go from holding hands to hugging. And you go from hugging to uh, kissing. And you go from kissing to other things. It doesn't end there. Why don't you just decide in your heart you want to be pure? Uh, your, your rules are too strict. If you loved God, you wouldn't think they were so strict. If you made a covenant and decided in your heart that I'm going to maintain purity, and especially you young people, that I'm going to maintain my purity till the day I get married, and when I get married, I will maintain purity. I will only uh, have that uh, physical relationship with, with the spouse that I've chosen. Look, we got a lot of young people that are dating uh, uh, here uh, in our church right now, and I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm thankful for it. I think I'm glad you guys are dating. I'm glad we've got a lot of them right now, probably more right now than we've ever had. And let me just make some things real uh, uh, clear to you. I'm not for physical touch. Now, some of you think I'm joking. You, you look at my wife, and you see this beautiful uh, uh, young lady, and you think, well, Miss Joanne is so nice, and you look at me, and you say, well, he's kind of ugly, but he's short, and, and you know, he must not uh, be that serious. Uh, let me just tell you, you all of you, you, you may think I'm up here just rattling my cage and joking around, but you cross me, and you'll see. This is not a joke. I'm not laughing. We will throw you out for fornication. I don't think you, you try me. This is a serious thing. We will not allow this culture of looseness and, and whorish uh, actions to enter into this church. I care about my kids and your kids way too much. So we ought to make a pledge. Everyone ought to make a pledge, especially young people and especially men. We ought to make a pledge in our hearts and decide in our heart, I will be pure. And let that pledge go from your heart to your mind, to your eyes, to your bodies, to your hands. To be able to stand like uh, Job and say, I'm innocent of these things. Job didn't say I was perfect. Job didn't say I was sinless. But Job said, I haven't done that. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? He said, I've not lurked at the, uh, at the door of my neighbor. He said, I've not committed adultery in my heart and I've not committed physical adultery. 
And you young people need to make some decisions. You know, the Bible says about fornication that every sin is without the body. But the sins, the physical act sins, the Bible says that you're sinning against yourself. Let me explain something to you. My wife and I do a lot of counseling. In the last 10 years, we've done a whole lot of counseling. And please understand this. We, we, we never have, I don't know of any time that we've ever had a 40-year-old uh, make an appointment uh, with tears in their eyes saying, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Or a 40-year-old lady with tears in her eyes saying, uh, Mr. Joanna, I need to talk to you. And, 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 and it was urgent and it was a big deal. And they wanted to talk about the fact that they stole a candy bar when they were 10 years old. That never happens. But you know, people are constantly talking to us about the sexual sins of their youth. You bring, you sin against yourself. You bring baggage into your marriages. You, you, you bring issues into your own life. I'm just here to tell you, it's not worth it. It's worth within the marriage that God, God has says that the physical relationship between a husband and a wife is a beautiful thing. But I'm here to tell you that, that purity, purity can bring that satisfaction within marriage. Anything else just feels dirty and shameful and wrong. And in the moment, it might feel good. But in the end, it feels wrong. Because it is wrong. Go to Job 31. So you see that Job speaks about the fact that he retained his purity. In verses 1 and 12. Then I want you to notice in verses 13 through 23, we see that Job did not mistreat people. He talks about this in verses 13 through 23, and he talks about this in verses 31 through 32. Job did not despise those below him. Notice in verse 13, he says, If I did despise the cause of my manservant or my maidservant when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God riseth up and when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? Notice verse 16. If I have withheld, he's talking about the fact that he did not mistreat people. He said, if I have withheld the poor from their desire. And the idea is the things that they need, like food and clothing. Or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail. Or have eaten my morsel myself, and the fatherless have not eaten thereof. He says, if I had food, and I was eating it, and I was selfish, I had enough to give to others, and I didn't. He says, for from my youth, verse 18, he was brought up with me as with a father, and I had guided her from my mother's womb. Notice verse 19, he says, if I have seen any perish for want of clothing or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me and he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep. He's, talking, he's giving all these examples. If I saw someone that was cold and, and, and they didn't get warm with the fleece of my sheep, if they were uh, 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 perishing for want of clothing and I didn't uh, uh, give them a covering, if they were hungry and I didn't give them food. Verse 21, he says, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless 
when I saw my help in the gate. Look, look, skip down to verse 31. He says, if the man of my tabernacle say it not, oh, that we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. He said, if there was people around me saying, oh, we wish we could have uh, some of that food that Job has. Notice verse 32. He says, the stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my door to the traveler. See, Job makes this argument. He says, not only did I maintain my purity, but he says, I did not despise others. When I could, I gave them. When I could help them, I helped them. I didn't despise them. I wasn't mean to them. I wasn't rude to them. I, I, I helped them. Now you say, well, why did Job not despise those below him? He gives us a reason in verse 15. It's a powerful reason. Look at it. He says, did not he, and the he there is referring to God, did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? You say, why did Job not despise those below him? Here's why. Because Job believed that the same God that made him is the God that made them. Now, obviously, we're not talking about people who hate the Lord and reprobates and those things. But when we're not talking about people that hate the Lord, you know, the Bible says, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Job says, did not he that made me in the womb make him? He said, why would I mistreat them? Why would I be rude to them? Why would I be mean to them? Isn't the same God, did not one fashion us in the womb? Did not the same God that created me created them? So then Job continues this, if then, if then. Notice verse 22. He says, then let mine arm, he says, if I haven't done these things, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade and mine arm be broken from the bone. He says, for destruction from God was a terror to me and by reason of his highness, I could not endure. Notice verse 24. In verses 1 through 12, Job tells us that he retained his purity. In verses 13 through 23, and 31 and 32, Job tells us that he did not mistreat people. In, in verses 24 through 25, Job tells us that he was not covetous. Notice verse 24. If I've made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, thou art my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great and because mine hand had gotten much. He says, I didn't do those things. He said, I didn't, I didn't make gold my hope. He said, I had a lot of gold, but it wasn't my hope. I didn't say to the fine gold, thou art my confidence. Said, I didn't have my confidence in, in, in gold and in silver and in money. He said, I didn't rejoice because my wealth was great, because my hand had gotten much. Go to Psalm 49, if you would. You're there in Job. Turn over to Psalm 49. Psalm 49, look at verse 6. See, Job understood that there was a limit to what money could do. Job understood. He said, I didn't make gold my confidence. I didn't put my trust and my hope in wealth. You say, why? Because there's only so much that money can do for you. And money cannot do for you what you really need. Psalm 49, verse 6. Notice, this sounds a lot like Job. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. 
Now Job said, I have made, I, I, if I have made gold my hope, or I have said to the fine gold thou art my confidence. He's saying, I didn't trust in my wealth. I didn't make gold my hope. I didn't make gold my confidence. He said, I didn't rejoice because my wealth was great and because mine hand had gotten much. And here in Psalms we're told, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is precious, and it casteth forever. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. It doesn't matter how rich you are, you can't buy yourself out of hell. You know that riches can't get you what you really need? And the funny thing is, what you really need is free. The Bible says in Mark 8.36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So Job said, I wasn't covetous. I didn't make gold my hope. I didn't say to find gold, thou art my confidence. I didn't rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand had gotten much. Go back to Job 31. Then Job says this. He says, the Bible, he says, he says I did not adhere to idolatry. In verses 26 through 28, he says, If I beheld the sun when it shined, and of course during this time we know and through history people have worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. It says, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart had been secretly enticed, or my mouth had kissed my hand. And he's talking about religious practices of his day. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for I should have denied the God that is above. Job said, I didn't deny the true God by worshiping the sun and the moons. Job says, I did not adhere to idolatry. Job says in Verses 29 through 30, he says, I was not vindictive. Look at verse 29. He says, If I rejoice at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. He says, When my enemy failed, I didn't rejoice in that failure. He said, when, when, when destruction came to people that were mean to me and evil to me, he said, my mouth did not sin by wishing a curse to his soul. That's interesting. He says, we should not rejoice. You know, the Bible says that we should not rejoice when our enemies fall. Go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. And again, you need to understand, this is not a reference to the enemies of God. The Bible, in fact, commands us to rejoice when the enemies of God fall. We're talking about our enemies, people we don't get along with, people we don't like, or people that we, you know, uh, uh, just kind of butt heads with. Proverbs says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. You say, why? Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. You know that God might be bringing judgment upon your enemies, and when you start rejoicing and partying, God's like, get this. It's like when a kid gets in trouble and you start spanking the offending child and then the other kid starts rejoicing and you're like, now I'm going to spank you. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Job says, I was not vindictive. Then Job says this in verse 33. Job says, I did not cover up sin. Now notice the foolishness of covering your sins. Look at verse 33. Job 31, verse 33. If I covered my transgression, notice this, I think this is super interesting. If I covered my transgression as Adam. Here there's a reference from Job to Adam. You know, Adam and Eve. 
Now, it is my belief and my position, and I may be wrong about this, that Job lived during the time of what we would call the patriarchs, the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe that Job lived after uh, uh, the, the flood. There are references in the book of Job to a flood. So I believe he lived after the flood, but I also believe he lived before uh, Moses and before uh, Moses had given uh, the law. One of the reasons is because of the fact that all throughout the book of Job, God is referred to as God, and he's referred to as Almighty. In fact, probably the number one way that they refer to God uh, through the book of Job is by calling him Almighty. But they don't refer to him as Jehovah or I Am, which is the way that he revealed himself after the Mosaic Law. So here we have Job living during the time probably of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses has not yet written down the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But obviously through oral tradition, Job is aware of the story of Adam and Eve. And I'm here to tell you, the Word of God has always been on this earth. It's not always been written, but the Word of God has always been available. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And here we have uh, Job saying, I didn't cover my transgression as Adam. Remember Adam tried to hide from God? sowed fig leaves and tried to hide his sin. He said, if I covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom, he said, I didn't, I didn't cover my sin. Now, what are some reasons why people cover their sins? Here's, in verse 34, he gives us a couple. He says, did I fear a great multitude? He said, I wasn't afraid of what people would think or did the contempt of families terrify me. I wasn't afraid what uh, uh, my family would think, that I kept silence and went not out of the door. There's a couple of thoughts here. First of all, there's this idea, if what you're doing, if you're doing something and you're afraid people will find out because it'll be shameful, uh, you should probably stop doing that. Amen. But at the same time, you should care what people think about you. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I hide sin so that I can have a good testimony. What that means is that you don't do the sin so you can have the good testimony. Amen. Proverbs 28 and verse 13, if you would, Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That is a, a, a command and a promise from God. We like to claim the promises of God, don't we? We like to sing that song, you know, uh, uh, about counting the promises and counting our blessings and, and counting all the blessings of God. Well, here's a promise from God. He that covered his sin shall not prosper. You know the Bible says, be, sur be sure your sin will find you out? Now notice, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Maybe you're here tonight, you've been hearing me preach about purity, and you're thinking, good night, I've already messed up. Is it too late for me? You know what the Bible says? Whoso confesseth them, forsaketh them, shall have mercy. Amen. No, it's never too late to get right with God. It's never too late to make things right. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, if, if you're not a reprobate, God says, I'll forgive you every time, every, any time, every time. All you have to do is confess and forsake. But by the way, don't, don't, don't miss this. It's confess and forsake. Amen. It's not confess and then do it again. 
and, and confess and do it again and confess and do it again and confess. You won't find mercy there. You'll find judgment and, and you'll find the law there. But when you confess and forsake, the Bible says, then you'll have mercy. You can always get right. You can always make it right. But you have to actually make it right. Job 31, look at verse 35. He says, oh, that one would hear me. Job doesn't know it. He's about to finish his speech here. Then Elihu's going to speak, speak for six uh, chapters, and then God will speak for four chapters. And he, he doesn't think it, but God is hearing him. Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me. Be careful what you ask for, Job, because God's about to answer you. And it's not going to be good. And that mine adversary had written a book. Well, Job, you got it. We're reading your book right now. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it at a crown to me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps. As a prince, would I go near unto him if my land? Then Job says, lastly, he says in verses 38 through 40, he says he, Job did not misuse the land. You know, the Bible says that we, we should not make uh, a God out of nature and out of land, but we should also not misuse nature and land. We should be good stewards of the earth that God has given us. He says, if my, the Bible says that in the end times that God will pour out his wrath upon those who destroyed the earth. We should not have this desire to destroy the earth that God has given us. Job says in verse 38, he says, If my land cry against me, or the furrows likewise thereof complain, if I have eaten the fruit thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life. He says, let thistles grow instead of wheat, and cockle instead of barley. Then Job says this, here's how he ends the chapter. He says, the words of Job are ended. And Job finishes this conversation between him and his three friends. Now, like I said at the beginning of the sermon, Job will speak again. At the end of the book, Job speaks. We have six chapters ahead of us, chapters 32 through 37, in which a young man who is brash and rude and arrogant speaks. His name is Elihu. We will take the next six weeks and look at what he has to say. Then we get to what I believe is the climax of this book, Chapters 38 through 41, where God speaks. And that's fun. God says a lot of awesome things. And then in chapter 42, Job speaks. And he speaks, and we hear Job speak in a much different way. Job did not sin. He made it clear in this chapter. In verses 1 through 12, he said, I retain my purity. In verses 13 through 23 and 31 through 32, he said, I did not mistreat people. In verses 24 through 25, he said, I was not covetous. In verses 26 through 28, he said, I did not adhere to idolatry. In verses 29 through 30, he says, I was not vindictive. In verses 33 to 37, he says, I did not cover up sin. In verses 38 through 40, he says, I did not misuse the land. Job said, I, I did not sin. The things that are happening to me are not happening as a result of sin. And all of that is true. It is true that Job did not sin. It is true that what came to him did not come as a result of sin. And it is true that Job passed the test. He did not curse God, and he did not charge God foolishly. But Job did not come out of this without any mistakes. There's one major mistake that Job made throughout the entire time that he was going through this. Not enough for him to lose the blessings of God, but it was something that God is going to have to deal with. And it was the idea that he kept questioning God. 
He kept questioning that God was mistreating him, that God was being cruel to him, that God would not answer him. And in chapters 38 through 41, God shows up and he never answers Job's questions, but he gives Job more questions that make it clear to Job that God does not owe him an answer. And then Job speaks in verse 42, and you know what he does? He falls on his face and repents and gets right. Say, well, he didn't do anything wrong. You always have something to get right about. And then Job is restored in the end of the book. So when the Bible says here in verse 40, the words of Job are ended, the book's not done. We still got quite a ways to go. Say, what does that mean, the words of Job are ended? This is our, our modern way of saying, I rest my case. Job says, I'm done arguing. I've given all my arguments. I've given all my reasonings. The conversation is finished, and next week we'll begin to study the words of this young man, Elihu. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this chapter. Lord, thank you for an example like Job, who's a man of integrity. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to have be people of integrity just like Job. Help us to choose to be pure, choose to not covet, choose to treat people right, choose to uh, treat, treat our possessions correctly and the land that you've given us, the resources. Help us to choose to do right and be right. And Lord, we pray that you would bless and Help us to learn this passage and and be more like Job. We know Job wasn't sinless, but he was a perfect and an upright man. And I pray that you would help us all to be like Job. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.